0: Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast that's all about the intersection between yoga and body acceptance. Today, my guest is Pleasant Salicki, who is truly one of my very favorite people on the face of the earth. <laughs> Pleasant and I connected through <laughs> Rachel Cook of The Yogipreneur several years ago, and I feel like Rach, we should ask her about this sometime, but miss, just had like a gut sense that we would love each other, and she mm-hmm. was exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> So, Pleasance runs a truly incredible yoga studio in D.C. called Little Om that I had the pleasure of visiting, and she also was one of the first people to be just so excited about having curvy yoga at her studio through an incredible teacher, Dina Khan. So, I am so excited for all of you to get to meet Pleasance. Welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you today.
0: So, let's kick it off with a question about what your relationship was like with your body when you were younger.
1: This is a very interesting question because the first thing that comes to mind for me is that I remember um, being a little girl. I was probably around, I don't know, seven, seven or eight years old. And my grandmother and I had gone to a wedding and we came home and the only thing that I could Remember or focus on from the wedding was that the bride had hairy arms just like I did. And I, Uh. (laughs) for the first like seven years, thought that I would never get married or no one would ever love me because I had hairy arms. Uh. And people would always point out, like, your arms are so hairy. So for me, it was very much like that's my first memory of noticing something about my body that other people had sort of put onto me. And then um, thinking about it in terms of the real world, um, I loved this, this bride so much, she was so beautiful to me. And I remember coming home and saying to my grandma, Grandma, this means I'll be able to get married one day, someone will love me too, just because I won't <laughs> Doesn't mean I won't be loved. But I had internalized this whole story yeah. um, about being unlovable because of my hair yarn yeah. um, and not feeling pretty. Um, and not feeling beautiful. And I think that, um, also, so I was, um, I moved in third grade and I was really awkward. I had really big feet and i was really tall. Um, and my relationship with my body was really, um, just disconnected, really disconnected. I wasn't in touch with, um, how I felt. From the inside out, um, I was always trying to hide how much bigger and taller I was than everybody else, and people thought I was older mm-hmm. than I was, um, because of that, and so I acted older as a result of that. And um, I have sort of an old soul anyway, <laughs> so yes. all of those things playing together. Um, really, you know, having hairy arms the big feet and being like you know, 5'8 in third grade, yeah. it's just not. A good combo for like a really healthy body image from for a young girl.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh no, I was just listening in oh. green. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think um, that it wasn't very solid. It wasn't very sudden. Um, I did basically everything I could to be, you know, a good girl and follow the rules and do all of these other things to kind of be on the sidelines so that I didn't have to get kicked out for these kind of awkward things that I felt like I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that's really the first entryway. That's, that's really what I remember being a young person. When I got to high school, I went through like many teens. Um, I went through um, a pretty severe um, year or two of depression and that's where I started um, kind of being able to understand that I could control food um, and, and make myself hungry with, and have pain yeah. um, associated with food and not eating. And so um, I never had an eating disorder, but I think a lot of teens when they go through depression, eating disorders kind of side by side with them they kind of have this relationship together and for me it actually wasn't about the food it was about the pain I remember Mm -hmm. being in high school and I remember saying to one of my therapists um you know I don't really care about food it's just this way I can actually feel the pain when I don't eat Mm -hmm. um and so for me it wasn't about my relationship with food it was about the relationship to the pain that I was trying to put onto myself from the inside out um and the hunger and so looking back at sort of how this has all evolved and like how, you know, now thinking about how much I love my big feet that I massage every day and talk to my daughter about my hairy arms and (laughs) um, and kind of, you know, yoga has been the the biggest transformation for me in terms of totally loving and accepting my body. Um, But even thinking about sort of the young person to the teen years to now it's just been such a transformation you know yeah how did yoga come into your life um I took one class in high school and proceeded to giggle laugh and then fall asleep um (laughs) I went to boarding school and we like were completely immature and laughed throughout the whole class and then literally fell asleep on the floor um so that was not my first Entry way that was so successful in in um, graduate school in Philadelphia, I went to a class and they asked me to leave and go to a beginner class, um, <laughs> and I thought that was so rude that then I proceeded to tell everyone how, how horrible and um, exclusive and snotty yoga was and how I would never be part of that community um, <laughs> because of the way this one particular teacher made me feel in that studio. Yeah, and then. Um, In um, 2001, I started teaching in D.C. public schools, and I was an over-exerciser without any stretching. So I loved to run, and I loved to go on the treadmill, (laughs) and I would never stretch. And so I developed a really bad hip uh, piriformis syndrome, and I went to a physical therapist. And um, at 21, I basically, like... Passed out um, and couldn't walk from pain from my hip. Wow! So um, I remember calling the local yoga studio. Uh, I called the owner, this woman named Kristen. It was called Spiral Flight Yoga in Georgetown. And I called them and I said, "I need a yoga class because I I've heard that it would be good for my hip issue." But I have to tell you that I don't want you know nothing spiritual. Nothing in a different language. I don't want anything about community or connection. I only want to do very strong physical practice. Um, and I don't even think I called it practice. I probably said I want to do lots of physical yoga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and she, the beautiful angel that she is, took a deep breath and, um, and said, okay, well, here's a class and there's a teacher named Devin and it's called as Tonga. And I think it would be a good fit for you. Um, I was 22, I think. Um, and that was the good fit for me. So it came into my life very slowly, almost very painfully, actually, because I was in a lot of pain um, physically. And I remember that I came into the studio and I sat down and I watched Jevin um, move through... Um, Surya Namaskar A and then B and then my heart was racing and I felt so connected. I thought she was the most beautiful, um, peaceful person I had ever seen and I wanted to do what she was doing. Mm-hmm. It was like an instant instant love with the primary series that first week and I remember she, I said after that how many times a week should I be coming? <laughs> and she said you know you should practice every day and I Every day, that's ridiculous. You know, who has time for that? That's crazy. You know, and she—I remember she looked at me and she held my hands and she said, "Cousin, why don't you come once a week?" And I said, "That would be great," <laughs> um, because she knew and she saw in me. She saw my eyes, and within a month, I was there three times a week. Mm. You know, I just—it was like once you, once I started, I wanted to be there more. So then it became, you know, it became more regular. But that really, the beginnings, sort of these late nights at the studio, after a long day of teaching at the time I was in kindergarten and first grade um, in the public school system, and it was like this just completely wonderful um, break from my life that um, was very physical, um, but I was able to, to move along the poses, and she was such a loving and kind teacher that she... Taught us modifications and really taught us from where we were. It was a beginning kind of class, and I'm so grateful that she was so open with us because that's the entryway, you know. And that impacted then how I taught um, and continued to teach. So <laughs> I still talk to Devin, and she's wonderful. And Kristen, the owner of the former owner of Spiral Flight, so they're wonderful women.
0: Nice, and it sounds like you got that connection and community that you didn't think you
1: wanted pretty much from the get-go. Yeah, that I was... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when I was declaring, I wanted nothing to do with. <laughs> I love it. You know. Thank <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so from there, you started to
0: talk about your teaching, and I would love for you to share the story of how Lil' Om came to be.
1: Um, sure. So... Um, I left um, public school teaching uh, and moved into a, a really um, intense and stressful administrator position at a charter school. Um, but meanwhile, along the years that I was teaching in a, in a classroom setting, um, I had gone and done teacher training and really fell in love with the, my community of uh, teachers that I met through training. And over my summer breaks as a public school teacher, I would teach in various areas, um, private classes and corporate classes. And that's really fun because in the D.C. area, um, you know, you can teach at... I've taught at places like the FBI or the SEC. Um, and so that's so... It, it's so D.C. to have, like, taught in the basement of some of these cool buildings. The CIA, I went and taught out there one day. That was hilarious. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so... Um, so I was kind of moonlighting doing these one of. I did some yoga birthday parties and things like that. Um, but my full time job was in um, uh, education administration. So um, we had a um, pretty devastating tragedy at the school I was working at. And it was the moment in my life where my entire um, career path changed. And I, from that moment on, decided that I no longer could be at the school. Um, that it wasn't a safe environment for me or our family anymore, so I pretty much left um, right away and knew that I was going to be pursuing um, my passion and love for yoga. But I wasn't sure how. Um, you know, at this point, I was teaching kids yoga in the classrooms in the schools I taught in, and teaching my co teachers and things like that. Um, but just one or two, one or two times a week, and I was still practicing at that point every day. Um, And I, um, this little company, uh, was coming to the DC area and there was no stores and I was hired, um, in a group interview for this company called Lululemon, which we couldn't even pronounce at the time. (laughs) Um, and, uh, they hired me to come on board as a community manager, And I actually had no idea what that meant or what I would be doing, because the only thing I had ever done was work in schools. And Lulu came to town before there were stores and hired a really strong team of professional, interesting, creative, intelligent women to start the DC um, stores. Mm. And so it was myself who was a teacher, um, my friend Natalie, who was a PhD student, my friend Carolyn, who was a lawyer. And uh, Suyin, who was a doctor. And so none of us had any experience in reaching out, <laughs> or anything. In fact, none of us, I mean, there was no, it, it just was a totally different culture. But that was on purpose. They saw, you know, they saw us all as just, such successful human beings, um, you know, in quotes that they were like, oh, this will be the great startup team. Mm. But what a lot of people, I don't know if people knew this or not, at the time, Lulu was a private company. And behind the scenes, what was going on was goal setting. Behind the scenes, what was going on was vision splitting. Behind the scenes, we were reading The Secret. So there was no store, and my job was to go around... I can't even believe this when I say it out loud. ...was to go around to all of the yoga studios and gyms in town and take all of the classes. And so nice. they paid me... This is karma, because I had just been through the ringer and back from mm-hmm. the DC public charter starter system. Yeah. So I know that um, God loves me, because then I was hired to... Um, take classes at all of these studios and they paid for the classes and they paid for my time in the classes. <laughs>
0: wow, that's
1: awesome. Amazing. <laughs> so I went from being the most stressed out and down in a dark, dark place um, in my life, like almost within a month to the just most beautiful, connected. I was meeting teachers and taking classes and Oh my gosh, I was, ex- you know, that was when I was exposed to Kirtan and I just, my heart was exploding with creativity and <laughs> love. I was reading The Secret for Work, then they sent me to Landmark um, to go do leadership training. Um, I was setting goals and making vision boards and just watching sort of my life unfold in this, in this way that I had never imagined. It's um, a completely different, you know, path than Sort of my master's in education background was <laughs> had been previously reading, me. <laughs> um, but what happened during that, basically it was about three months or so, that well, two months be- between when I was hired and I did all of this, took all of these classes and met all of these amazing yoga teachers um, and did, did all that. They had a leadership library um, at Lululemon which had books like From Good to Great, um, The Seven Highly Effective Habits of, successful people um, the secret uh, you know a number of just amazing books sort of classic yeah um, in business and success in life and but I had never read these books because everything that I read and cared about before this was about really about education mm-hmm. and about changing urban education and, and working in inner city schools that had been my entire passion in life um, so um, you know reading these business books Success books were really interesting. Hearing about how people kind of dreamed up their visions and created their own path, and uh, and it started to occur to me like, what's next? What am I mm. going to do? I know I'm not going to stay in this store. Not that there was anything wrong with that, but just I knew that wasn't going to be for me. Right. And um, pretty shortly after, I got pregnant with my daughter, and it was just this entire birth. Tw- the, my pregnancy with my daughter alongside the inner work that I was doing behind the scenes with what Lulu was providing for me, um, was this perfect storm to create a new center for DC families that was really at the heart of it around inclusivity around prenatal and, and, and eventually postnatal yoga, um, But what I started to see with taking all of these classes everywhere was how much I loved all of the adult communities. But then once I was pregnant taking these classes everywhere, um, there wasn't as much support for me. Mm -hmm. And I always say, I've got larger in my pregnancy. I literally didn't fit into some of these studios because they have tapes. And they have um, very, very crowded classes. And I gained 50 pounds with my daughter. So I did not sit in some of my favorite teacher's classes. And people didn't know what to do with me in some Mm. of them unless I was in a prenatal class. Um, And so I started dreaming. And I dreamed up little own yoga as originally a prenatal um, yoga and holistic health center. I dreamed of going to the School for Integrative Nutrition and becoming a holistic health coach, um, which since I've gone to and now am, but at that point I had not. So I started adding um, various dreams about how to create this center. So, you know, get certified in prenatal yoga, um, meet with local midwives and birth communities, develop relationships. You know, I really started to get an action plan for what this could look like. Um, And From there, my daughter was born, and then as soon as I had her in my arms, I knew it was going to be. Mm. I didn't know how long it would take, but my connection to her um, and, you know, my pregnancy with her was full of yoga. She is such a yoga baby because, (laughs) uh, you know, she she has done more classes than anyone else, I swear, because of (laughs) my job at the time and how... You know, I was pregnant with her taking three or four classes a day, Anna. Wow. A day for Lulu. I mean, it was just amazing. And I had such an, I felt amazing with her, um, with the pregnancy that it just was such a gift, um. You know, she the Dalai Lama was in in D.C. when I was pregnant with her, and I went over by myself, and I just sat there and listened to him and rubbed my belly. Krishna Das was in town when I was pregnant with her, and we went to Kirtan's together. You know, I have all of these visions of how we spent that pregnancy together. Wow. Um, And she really inspired me then to go out and create a center where we could um, talk about those connections, where yoga could be the base, this amazing time in your life, and then from there, who knows what could come out of it. So um, as she got older, I obviously wanted to continue that. So that's, you know, she was six months when I did a yoga training, um, and then uh, I, you know, already knew how to work with the kids. But I just kind of kept adding on things that I was passionate about as I watched her grow, um, and when we opened and t- we opened our studio in two thousand ten, I had been teaching classes under the little old name um, f- since since right after she was born, essentially, mm-hmm. um, in various locations in DC. And then in two thousand ten, she was two years old, and I was ready to open the doors of a studio. Um, so scary, but it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because I had no idea and there wasn't really anything. there was no other you know, sort of um, other competition or market out there. You know, a lot of people say do your market research before you open, but there really wasn't any model that was like this. So it was, it was, um, you know, my husband, you know, he just kind of looked at me and he was like, you know, do you want to do this? And we ran some numbers and, I just said, yes, I'm so scared, but I can't think of anything else I want to do with my life, and this feels right. And so, we, you know, because of his support, he, you know, really helped create the first little own studio. I mean, literally tore down the walls and painted the walls and painted the floors. Literally, he helped build the studio. Yeah. Um, but his support and just believing in me is, is like by far the only way I could have done it. Because I think he, at that point, I was a new mom. You know, I had this dream for a place that didn't exist in our community, for yeah. this whole market that didn't exist. And, um, I think if he had doubted at all, I would have said, okay, you're right. You yeah. know, I just would have been like, maybe not, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy. But he just kept saying like, this is something, you know, you're so happy. I want you to be happy. And you're so happy when you teach and when you're surrounded by, you know, your people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so um, when we opened in 2010, um, those doors, it was just a super scary and wonderful ride. And, and what happened is the neighborhood that we opened in we didn't have any adult yoga studios. So pretty uh. quickly, that opening day, people from the neighborhood came in and asked us to have adult classes. Mm. So... Um, that was not part of the original plan. We had a childcare center. We had a childcare room in the original studio. So we were going to have adult classes with childcare, care um, or classes. We have something called playtime classes, which are one of our signature classes where that the playroom door is open and kids can kind of free flow between the adult yoga practice, um, or the playroom. Nice. Um, and that model works really well for kids who don't want to, who can't, who have a hard time separating from their parents who have separation anxiety. Oh, yeah. um, and it's also a really nice model for parents who want to expose their kids to their yoga practice yes. um, and show them their practice. That's what I love about it, is that sort of modeling of how important this is to our well being. <laughs> and um, so it was the adults from the community of the first neighborhood who said, please, please have night classes, please have adults. And so we hired some more teachers and really and listened to the community. Um, and I'm so glad we did because um, just to think back to those original days of, of how kind of, I don't think I, I was, in a, I was not in a position at that time to see how far we would come. Right. Um, and how much we could sort of stretch ourselves to serve the community Um, and to become more inclusive and more inclusive over time. Um, So that has been really beautiful um, to kind of watch. And um, that is, you know, that's let alone as it is. That's so beautiful. It just is (laughs) really
0: following your heart. When I hear you tell the story, it seems like such a perfect um, synchronicity with your, professional background and what you were learning on the mat and where you were really passionate. And when all that comes together, it just is amazing.
1: Yeah. I think that that's it's. I'm mindful that that is a gift that not a lot of people have. Yeah. Um, I think you have it, Anna. And I think we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, and we are so fortunate to be, you know, in a place where our practice and our hearts guide our lives mm-hmm. in those places. And, I mean, I just, you know, I hear it all the time at the studio when people will sort of say to me, I just, I want to do something, I just don't know what. Um, and I remember that place, and know that place, and so I am grateful that at least for now, you know, those circles are intersecting of passion and, um, you know, sustainability Um and really creating a life for yourself, um, you know, that works for you and, yeah. and that is in total integration with your values in, in your life. And I know that that's a gift and I know it's been hard work, right? Like I know I do a lot of inner work <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so have practice right. to keep going. So it's not like it's just, Oh, this is so easy. Um, and I sacrifice a lot of, a lot of other things that, um, in, in order to keep up my practice and to keep, that sort of inner intuition keeping moving forward and keeping it really bright and keeping it really relevant um, and to tuning in. And, And sometimes you have to make really hard decisions around that as well, you know? Yeah.
0: Is that what helps you foreground your practice? Just kind of remembering the ways in which it keeps you rooted?
1: I often say, like, I really don't know how Whether whichever hat I'm wearing, whether it's business owner, wife, mom, um, community member, activist, whoever, like I don't know how people do this without a practice, without a a physical yoga practice or a meditation practice, yeah, because it there's so much going on in our world, there are so many demands and and intensity and so the the yoga practice meditation practices for me are the only way that I'm able to sustain um, health well being awareness um, presence I mean I just feel like I can feel the strength when I'm making decisions for the studio when I'm connecting with my children I really feel like all of them are coming out of this years of practice because this was not my nature growing up, um, and I did not come from a stable, you know, really happy, flowy childhood. Yeah. Um, it it was pretty dark, and this did not have to be my path. This really, uh, it definitely, the story could have ended another way, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Right. Um, and so the fact that I'm able to participate in a community and be a community member, um, be a mom, have healthy children, be in a healthy relationship. I've been with my husband for like 17 years or something ridiculous. That's awesome. Um, I mean, I just can't, it's sort of like, I can't believe it because, you know, there was just, there was just a lot of darkness and um, the practice has just continued to show me light and to continue to bring me joy and peace. And more love. And so for me, I don't really see another option. And, and and when I was in high school, you know, they had me on some really strong medications. Um, I was in such intense therapy and just really had um, a lot of trouble. And that wasn't working either. Um, yeah. I, um, you know, really gained a tremendous amount of weight. I didn't, I gained a tremendous amount of weight and did, and connected from my body and then used um, drugs and alcohol and men to heal pain that I couldn't identify, I couldn't connect with, I couldn't heal. I I just was so lost. I was really lost. And to think now that, like, I feel whole (laughs) and I feel um, healthy is – is the gift that the practice has given me and continues to give me, you know?
0: Yeah, I got chills and tears in my eyes when you said that,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I want to touch back on what you were talking about a little while ago about your heart and desire for making your studio so inclusive because I know that that's a big part of what um, made you so excited about bringing Curvy Yoga to the studio and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that.
1: Um. So I've been thinking about this, and I think that part of it is not necessarily like well, for sure, it's not written anywhere on a business plan. <laughs> uh, in terms of like, here's how little ohm is going to be. Blah blah. Right. It's way more about the nature of our values and who we are as people. So, like, I'm naturally just a a really inclusive person. Um. Mainly because I was very shamed and excluded as a child. Mm. So I um, had a really tough transition uh, when we we moved from Illinois to Connecticut in third grade. And I was basically excluded, you know, entirely from the third grade population. And I will remember that forever. Mm. So for me, when I became a teacher... I had a mission to make sure that all kids in my class felt like they were part of the community mm. and felt like they were part of something. So like it's part of my life mission to, to have people be seen and to hear stories and to um, find a way to connect with everyone. Like I deeply believe in my heart that we are all um, brothers and sisters and that we have such Similar needs and wants and desires to be loved, to be seen, to be heard. Um, And so for me, it's not necessarily that it's an intentional thing that's happening every day. It's just how I want my whole life to be. I Mm -hmm. want any student who comes in to feel welcome, period. Yeah. Like it just doesn't matter whether you've been a teacher for 20 years or you've never, or you're terrified of the practice. It can be scary yeah. um, in a number of ways. Physically, it can be scary, and emotionally, it can be scary to be with yourself in quiet. On oh, that, wow. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, for me, I think it's much bigger than just like, why is Little Ohm inclusive? It's like, how do we create communities um, within our own lives that feel like everyone's welcome, because it was so painful as a child to not be welcome. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, it really was. And I was so cognizant of that when it was happening. Um, And I just couldn't understand why people couldn't accept other people, you know. Um, And so my practice has just made me be able to recognize and acknowledge more and more why that's so important to me. Um, and it's because um, we are all one. And, and what I do affects you, how I treat you affects me. You know, um, sharing in community enhances our well-being. It makes our immune system stronger. It makes our nervous systems relax you know, being able to hold someone's hand and say, like, you're welcome here.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, You know, I see you. Um, That's really been powerful to me. And so anything I can do to help others um, live better and have more joy um, is what I want to do. And so having an actual studio where you get to do this every day is the best thing in the world. (laughs) It's It's true. Awesome. It's so awesome. Because I never have to say, no, I'm sorry, you know, no, no. I get to say yes all day long. (laughs) You know, like, hey, Pleasance, my class pass expired, but my kid has colic. You know, I'm so stressed out. Can we extend it? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm stuck in traffic. I can't make it. I'm so sorry. Can you cancel me out of class? Yes. You know, it's, it's all about that sort of openness to be like, yes, I'm here supporting you you know, this is, this is what we're doing for each other. Yeah. Um, And that's how I want to live in the world. So for me, um, that's why it comes out so clearly in the studio and in the teachers that we hire, and in the staff that supports the students and the teachers.
0: Yeah, I feel like those things that feel like common sense to us as individuals, but maybe not kind of as a whole is another piece of that, like, karma or dharma that you're bringing in to yeah. the studio because for you it's common sense to be inclusive and that's yeah. really what is so beneficial to you and to the space and to the all
1: of your students and your community yeah i mean i i learned so much from people who are not like me mm-hmm. um and not just physically but um whether you're talking about age gender race everything right yeah. like I love sitting down with our students, especially for me right now because my kids are so little. Um, we have a lot of moms at the studio and dads, but the ones that I tend to connect with about this are moms who have kids who are either um, in high school or have left for college or who's left or you know, are married either have grandkids. And so, like, I connect with them all the time. Hey, what did... What are your learning points for me? What should I think about while my babies are still so little? Mm. You know, what can I learn from you? Like, multi-generational learning is not part of the day-to-day anymore in most families. Yeah. And, like, there's something to be said for that communal aspect. That's what tribes have done. That's what people, groups of people have done for thousands of years. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) And now that it's gone... It's like, you think you're, you know, everything as a mid, you know, I'm 36 so like a mid thirties. Oh, I run my house and this is how it goes. But like, I just feel like we're missing out on so much knowledge and, and information and expertise and advice and wisdom. There's so much wisdom that happens at will own with our multi-generational learning. And like, that's amazing to me. That feeds my spirit and nourishes me is when I see, um, our retirees or our moms or dads whose kids are much older and they're just picking up the little ones at the studio and telling the mom's stories about their own kids and reminding us to live in the present moment and enjoying those snuggles. I mean, you know, that to me is life. Like that's, that's the full spectrum. Yeah. Um, And that's been something that was not intentional in the beginning right. but the more inclusive we got the more I saw how much we can all learn from one another and um that's a really good feeling because I think that I, I always say to people too like my background in undergrad was sociology and so say I'm a sociologist at heart because that's people and that's what we're doing is we just create you know different classes that welcome different groups of people. And then when they cross over and they see each other, they take a different class, then they say, Oh, look at this new mom. And I'm a grandma. Let me share in this experience. It's just so, it's so joyful. Um, this, I actually got an email last week from a a woman who is new to the studio and she's retired. Um, (laughs) and she said that she couldn't believe how much life and joy um was brought to her when she was around these little kids at the studio because she said she didn't realize how much she's never around younger children anymore. Mm. And like how kind of now being retired, it's like there's a lot of kind of soul drum like dumb dum, like, you know, full on right. this is today, it's okay. How are you? It's okay. Like there wasn't a lot of energy in her group yeah. in her inner circle. And she said she started coming to classes at the studio and they happened to have childcare. And so she starts seeing these like little bodies running in and out of childcare. care. And <laughs> she said she felt so like alive just by being around them. Wow. Um and so that is so like that to me is like why I do this work. That is amazing. Yeah. Because you know? everyone's
0: being fed in a different way in that scenario.
1: <laughs> but by each other. Yeah, I mean yeah, and I think that, like you know, some people come in, I, and I will say that it's not always like that. You know, there are women who come in, especially during the daytime. We we tend to have a mostly female population, so there will be women who come in and will say to me, like, "I love kids, but I do not want to hear them during my yoga practice," <laughs> <laughs> or like, "Please take the crying baby out of the class." Like you, you, th- there is that as well. So uh-huh, you know, there are sure. people. It's not everyone. It's like, "Oh, I love these babies." It's not like that. Um, and on the other side, I have had people who, um, and this is a time where I will say, no, maybe we're not for you, is I had a woman who was in her young 30s, and she came to one of our gentle yoga classes. Two reasons. One, she was new to yoga, and two, she's an entrepreneur, so she was around during the day when our gentle class was. So uh-huh. I had suggested to her, you know, she came to me and said, I need yoga. I'm so stressed <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm an <laughs> entrepreneur. I'm working all the time. Help, oh, I need yoga. And I said, Great, you should try one of the daytime gentle classes. It'll be such a gift to you. You know, when you're working, um, the community is so lovely and it'll be really nice practice for you to start with. And she, uh, the next time I saw her, I said, Did you try that class? She said, Yeah, I went to it, but I can't go there. There's just all old people in there. And I don't like that. Huh. <gasps> and I said, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, you know good luck. Maybe the gym setting is a little bit better for you. You know, I just kind of like, right. like, she, it wasn't going to work. Like she, that mindset, like, I, I just don't think we're the place for her. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, because and that's okay. of being on her mat, and that's okay. And that's, like, I didn't get upset about it. I just was like, yeah, maybe you should try that gym yoga class that you're, you know, you're comfortable with your gym. Like you should try it. Cause we been talking earlier about like the difference between gym yoga and studio yoga. Mhm. And I had, you know, tried to um, communicate what, what the difference is and why I think it would be beneficial to her. But I also, it's okay that not everybody is okay with that um, and is comfortable with who's around them. But for me, it it wouldn't occur to me. I think it's joy. I think it's amazing to be in a room full of diverse people. Yeah. And. And that's just how I I am. So for me, it would never be like, oh, I don't want to be here because I'm the only one. Right. Yeah. It's more like, oh, I'm the only one now.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. What, because
0: you've been, this is both from your heart and something that you intentionally bring into the space. I'm wondering what you wish all yoga teachers or studio owners Knew about creating welcoming
1: classes? Um, I think that, you know, the past, about 18 months ago, we did some, some work a little home around our core values. And it was really powerful because I was able to sit down and articulate what's driving us um, and then how we can make decisions moving forward. And so when I wrote down sort of my core values and little ohms, and I've, I've since integrated them since they're, they're so much a part of my life, um, it became clear to me that I'm living in alignment. And mm-hmm. so what I think um, in terms of like things on my list are be generous, be approachable, keep learning, create connections. And so these are all things that are in alignment with how I run the studio and my classes and how I teach. So the thing that I would suggest and and encourage people to do, whether they're teachers or studio owners, is to do the core value work and to really get clear about who you are and what your mission is, whether it's in your teaching role or your life. You know, I like to see everything as one, so that's why I put it together. But some people need to have a little bit of separation and may have something that's just for the studio or just for their teaching or just for their personal life. But going by your values and being able to align them with how you teach and how you present yourself really takes away any extra drama or questions um, when tough situations come up. So because one of my values is to be generous, um, I'm always inviting people to come into classes, to try something, to be inclusive. I mean, it's just kind of part now of this total integration of values and alignment. And so I think that doing it for yourself and doing your own inner work to figure out what is driving and motivating you will help you create your classes and your studio. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Rather than taking mine or somebody else's doing it for you and then seeing how that plays out day to day, um, so that you can see, I mean, because you might have in your values that you're creating welcoming and open space, but then you're making these day-to-day decisions that are not, right? right. So, like, it could play out in a number of ways, like what kinds of classes are on your studio schedule, what kinds of day are they at, what are the marketing materials look like for that class? Um, are those all in alignment with your values and with what you're doing? Because I think that's when you can start seeing where the mismatch might be happening right. if you feel like you're not doing it. Or if you have received feedback from students that they didn't feel welcome. Um, you know, I think feedback is learning, period. Yeah. And so like every single thing that we get, we try to consider where's the learning, where's the learning here um were we open, were we welcome, you know, is there something we can do moving forward? And so I think you know, really listening is a a, a big way. Sit it out. If you're a student owner sitting down with your teachers and saying, is this a crea- is this a creating space? Is this a welcoming space for people? Or are we sending mixed messages, you know, about who we are? Right. Um and same for your, your you know, if you look around your class and you're getting the same kind of people and you want to have a more diverse group, what can you do? And luckily now there's a lot of great support around that, um, whether it's curvy yoga or um, in D.C. we have Anacostia Yoga um, <laughs> in a wellness center. Like, there, there's a lot of support now within various communities, the Yoga Prison Project, things like that, where, like you can get support from organizations that are trying to expand what yoga is, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good work being done around that, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I'm going to shift gears now and ask you about your favorite books. <laughs> so I know that one of our favorite conversations to have is what are you reading right now? So I'd love for you to share um,
1: some books that are inspiring you right now. Well, I'm going to, because I get really excited about this question, I'm going to really try to be very specific, um, and just talk about, I right now I have two that are sitting right in front of me that have been in my purse this week. Nice. Um, one is called Chasing Daylight by Eugene O'Kelly, um, and someone had recommended it to me, um, and it's the, like, Subtitle is How My forthcoming Death Transformed My Life. Mm. So, um, again, a story. I love biographies. So, um, Chasing Daylight is about <sighs> knowing that our time is short and what are we going to do with it. Mm. That's essentially the beauty of that book, which I'm just loving. Um, and Soul Shaping by Jeff Brown, A Journey of Self-Creation. Oh, my God. Have you read this book, Anna? No, but I'm going
0: to go get it right now.
1: (laughs) Wow. So this one, this soul-shaping, I'm literally only, let me see, like 10 pages in, but I'm having to sit with each page kind of quietly. Yeah. Because some of the stuff that he's talking about um, is so spot on with my own life and like in the intro he quotes my favorite um mary oliver poem so i knew i was gonna love this book um but um i just uh it's really speaking to me and um someone had recommended to me i don't even remember where on some blog or website or something and i just randomly kind of put it in the cart and it just arrived and i'm um on the chapter um called clearing the debris and it's a lot and it's beautiful a journey of self-creation so mm. um i have those two and then the third one that just came that came out this week is playing big oh That's i got her, that one too her, did you get yours yes
0: i totally did i
1: love her <sighs> so i got to see her speak last year at messaging women live which was awesome wow. and i Pre-ordered the book, and it just came, and it was such a delight because she's been all over all the podcasts lately, and so it's been so fun to listen to her. And I just really want to support the work she's doing in the world because I think it's really awesome. Yeah. Um, so um, those are my three that I'm only going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> a whole talk just about.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have a follow up podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh Well, thank you so much for being here, Pleasance. It's really wonderful to talk with you and share you with everyone. And I'm so grateful for all the ways that you show up in the world and for me.
1: Yay. I'm so grateful for our friendship for you and everything that you do in the yoga world. Really, it's amazing. So love you so much.
0: Yeah, you love you too. And thanks to everyone else who is listening. And we will see you next time.